Hello and welcome to Delving to Draft. This is episode 25, recorded on the 24th of April, 2013. My name's Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Steve! And... Oh, hi, this is Erin Campbell from the Duck Tees. I didn't realize that was my cue, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I feel bad I didn't do it as musically as Steve did, like, Erin! You know? Not a worry. So, yes, this week we have a special guest, Erin. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Can I just say that? And you said you weren't going to try to make me blush, right? <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to set this up for a while, and, and you've been kind of teasing me, Craig, and you've been you've been a bit of a duck tease, I have to say. Maybe a little bit. I'm also just a bit slow at getting things organized. So I, I do apologize for that. <laughs> That's okay. It's probably better if we wrap it in that, you know, prettier packaging of, you know, instead of just saying you were slow or awkward, just be like, I, I was a deck tease. You're right. Just. <laughs> oh, so much better this than me. Anyways, let us jump into the news. So, um, full spoiler for Dragon Maze is now completely out. So, I mean, that's what happens every Monday before the pre-release. So now we have all the cards available to us. So we'll be Yay. talking about that later in the show. Um, the pre-releases this weekend, which is a bit unsurprising, and we'll also talk about that later in the show. The buy a box promo, in case people aren't aware, is render silent with its alternate art. So if you go to your local retailer and buy yourself a box, you'll have a special render silent ready to go. Who's that guy in the picture, Craig? It does look Is that a, a Mercurio li- Chemster? No, Mercurio Chemster is a far older gentleman, but that does look a bit like a is it mage, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. Hmm. Very unfair. Is it should be given free reign to Ravnica? They're clearly going to win the race in the maze. And no. Which guild do you support? Um, it depends, really. Um, when Return to Ravnica came out, I was a Golgari girl. I was very excited to be Golgari. I found Golgari to be kind of disappointing, actually, between Scavenge and everything else. Um, yeah, yeah. I did play, I did play Black Green Ooze for a while, so that kind of tapped into my Golgari nature. But here of late, I've really been Orzov. I love Orzov. I always seem to find myself with those colors. I did a lot of drafting, actually, this weekend. You guys have been really proud of me. Wow. Um, and it just, I know. And it seems like I was just always getting black and white. Like, for example, we did a draft, uh, we did a gate crash draft on Sunday, and I had two Gift of Orzovas, an Alms Beast, and a Cartel Aristocrat, and really that's all you need to win. <laughs> um, <laughs> put two gifts on an Alms Beast to call it a day. Um, and it's Jeez. fun, and I, I feel like those color, isn't that sick? <laughs> yeah, that, that is ridiculous. I'm not seeing a, is it, uh, an Is it deck? I've got Is it on the mind, uh, Orzov deck like that. Ever, I was actually I really surprised, and, and I was more amused by just the idea, like, because the Alms Beast is a giant creature, so take the really pretty, like, wings of the Gift of Orzova, and just imagine this big hulking beast coming at you, like, and with lifelink and flying, and, <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just find that Orzov kind of flows naturally from me, so I think I'm going to be Orzov first. Um, I'm rooting for the Orzov. I like the storyline so far that I've heard about them, and I'm pretty much Team Orzov right now. A little bit of Rakdos. A little bit of Rakdos in me, um, but that's about it. I think the one thing I'm not looking forward to in the uh, coming weeks is going to be all the is it puns coming back to life. <gasps> is it? Is it? No, it's not! Thank <laughs> you for reminding me. Oh, yes. It's definitely I'm happening. really lucky. My local game store doesn't have a lot of visit folks. Um, you could actually, you could lucky. Make- that's not lucky. That's terrible. <laughs> that's a travesty. <laughs> you actually couldn't force people to take Is it at my local game store. Is it had the most boxes left over? And it's interesting because I'm going to be pre-releasing in Chicago this weekend. And the store that we're going to, when we had called and asked them what they have still had available, they were like, Is it sold out? 
And I'm like, whoa. So it's interesting how that can change between stores. I got a feeling that is all due to Ralph Zarek, because I'll be honest, that's the only reason I'm going, is it? I, I, I suffered the travesty that was playing Is It at the Return to Ravnica pre-release, and that did not terribly go well. Oh, come on. That that was just because we didn't understand how to play it. You know, we thought we, <laughs> thought we were going into some sort of control deck, and it wasn't. It was an aggro deck with a bit of control backup, you know? And you're going to want to cast some spells and things. No, you don't. You want to cast guys and protect them, and they're going to do the job, you know? It's like, ah. Uh, but we figured it out too late, Craig. I am giving it another shot, but I'm just, I am hoping for, you know, allying with certain guilds, which aren't rubbish like Izzet. I will say that Izzet, however, made a really great second head. Like, if you're doing two-headed giant, Izzet really did well at that sort of, you know, a lot of good two-headed giant pairings involve having one of you be that sort of annoying person who just removes everything, disenchants everything, keeps things tapped down, while the other person just kind of swings mindlessly. And typically Orzov was really good at that role um, in Gatecrash, and um, I know Rakdos was sort of good at that in or when they weren't swinging and, and they were good at filling both roles, but Izzet played that role really well, of being sort of the annoying pinger on the side. Um, so it was great in that capacity, but by itself, not so much. Uh, you got to kind of watch the overload if you're allying with an Izzet person, because they yeah. just go, okay, oh, Cyclonic Rift everything, oh, oh, you, you've got a side to the board as well, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice permanence in your hand, oops. I don't know, I still feel like Dragon's Maze, like, I, I kind of predicted that Dragon's Maze was going to be, like, Saw, when it first came out, like, you know, Niv Mizzet was going to be like, I want to play a game, and like, you know, be really <laughs> freaky like that, and now I'm kind of thinking it's going to be like Saw 5, where all the guilds are going in there thinking they have to kill each other, but in reality, they have to work together, and that's kind of my, I get a feeling, I would love it if that was the plot twist, if that's how it really went down, you know? <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched the fifth part of a film. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> yes, like- watch, but... <laughs> I gotta say, I haven't seen any of the Saw films, they're not my <gasps> cup of tea. Oh, uh, it's, it, it's horror and thriller, right? That's, that's Ish, not really yeah. what I kind of go for. I'll be honest. Are you squeamish? Uh yes, but no. When it comes to films, it's just it just doesn't interest me. It's like I'm going to have something jump out at you, and you're going to jump, and it's like yes, I am going to jump, but it wasn't really scary. It just caused me. Well, to- no, these movies are more like torture-ish. It's not really about jumps. It's more about like you know, oh my god, will they get out of the trap in time, or will they get their rib cage ripped open, or things like that. I, I don't think it really did. <laughs> I think the last okay. horror film I saw was probably White Noise, which I know is a terrible example, but... That's PG. Isn't it like PG-13? <laughs> I, I love that you call that a horror movie. Like that, Well, the last thing in that vague genre, I think that was the last thing I saw in the cinema, which... yeah, just Interesting. <sighs> kind of showing my age. That must have come out like years ago. <laughs> that film was rubbish, Craig. It was rubbish. <laughs> it was utterly rubbish. Right, um, I think it was somewhere in the news. Ban restricted lane, uh, list changes, which doesn't affect drafting. But do you play any modern at all, Aaron? Or uh, I tried it once, and it was just mostly for fun and just to say that I did it. But it's not something I'm serious about or that I've, I'm really interested in. I I did think it was funny though. What card got banned? I'll let you announce it. Yeah. So second sunrise, which is key card in the eggs deck, is now <laughs> banned. Which I can honestly say I am very, very, very glad for because. Yeah, the last PDQ I did, seeing two eggs players go to time, you're kind of going, so uh, I'll come back in 75 minutes and you guys will be finished <laughs> your uh, fifth turn, right? I don't know. I mean, people can say whatever they want about eggs, but I feel like it, it's, it takes a hell of a pilot to play. And it's definitely one of those decks where 
if you're not winning with it, most of the time it's your fault because it is very intricate and in getting all the pieces together. And, you know, I, I can understand why people don't like it, but it's one of those decks that I have a lot of respect for. And when you watch it go off, it's almost beautiful in a way. Yeah. It sounds kind of weird, but. No, it definitely is. I mean, you're right. The, the pro- I'm not sure if the problem's bad pilots. I suppose they do kind of lose quickly-ish, but. It's, I think, I mean, the reason it was banned is pretty much cause things went to time and it was just disruptive for tournaments. So, but I, yeah, I remember watching Sifka go off and, uh, that was pretty fantastic. Although mostly helped because Yuya was just sort of, yeah, I'll count your mana for you. Yeah, I'll do your storm count for you. It's fine. I mean, I might as well do something whilst I'm sitting here getting beaten up. So, <laughs> uh-huh. right. Also other, um, regrowth has been unbanned after 19 years and magic's 20 years old on the ban list. Wow. Um, I don't have much to say about regrowth. I mean, it's it's one in a green, it's a sorcery, and you can return a creature card from the graveyard to your hand. That doesn't really sound like a <laughs> scary card to me. I'm not quite sure why it's been mm. banned for so long, but you can now play it in your vintage decks. So. It's a, it's a good example of power creep, isn't it? Now we're seeing those sort of cards appearing as commons in recent sets, you know? Yeah, isn't there so, there's something in Dragon Maze. It's like a one in a green, and you can... Can you return something? Yeah. I think it was even in Gate Crash. Yeah, um, was that Hintervines or something? No, it wasn't Hintervines. Wildwood Regrowth. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why it's been banned for so long, but I guess they've taken the sensible decision of unbanning it because it's just a random card, which it's not like it's going to define a format. It's no Jace the Mind Sculptor, so, you know, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, and Commander, in case people would pay attention to that, Staff of Domination has been unbanned and Trade Secrets is banned, which means I've totally ripped apart my Izzet deck. I no longer have an Izzet Commander deck because Trade Secrets is the best thing ever, and I'm now playing Boros. But which one was Trade Secrets, Craig? That was the one where I draw four cards, and my opponent gets to draw two cards, and my opponent chooses how much to repeat it. This was a card oh, you milled yeah. me with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milled your entire deck. Yes, this is the one where you milled my entire deck by just going, yeah, I'll draw another two cards, draw four. I'll draw another <laughs> yeah. two cards, draw four. Not reading that I was actually up to four cards, so I just did yeah. just draw my library, but... Yeah. Because yeah. you drew the command tower, and I drew the strip main. <laughs> the reliquary tower, but yeah. Oh yeah, um, that's one, yeah. Interesting enough, Trade Secrets is now the first card in the pre-constructed Commander products, which is now no longer available in Commander. Interesting. So, if you buy that on Magic Online, then you're not going to be able to play that without having to add another card. Just as a warning for anyone. I actually just started building my first Commander deck now. It's in the very, very early stages. Ooh, what are you building? What are you doing with? Well, uh, my Commander is going to be Damia, Sage of Stone. Okay. Um, don't judge me. I can't no, no, I, I, I was just like, Damia, who's that? And then you said, Chase of Stone. I was like, okay, that clicks, yeah. I, I know you commander guys are like, oh, that's a lame commander. Yeah. Um, I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Um, <laughs> but I just, I don't quite know. Like I said, I think what it is, is I think I'm overthinking it. Cause like when I'm, I'm immediately going, okay, well, I have to have a curve and I have to have removal and I have to have draw advantage. And I, you know, I, I do really well when people tell me what to do in that regard. When I have like a template I can follow and people are just like, um, just, Throw colors in there and have fun. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, should I have how many spells should I have and how many creatures should I have and how are the creatures going to work with my commander? And I'm just, I think I'm overthinking it. Is what it is. So I mean, what kind of? I I don't know. I mean, it takes me a week to build a commander deck, and then normally I still need to work on it. My advice would probably be throw stuff together and then play it, and then you'll work out from playing what you're missing or Mm -hmm. what doesn't work, like. But then that's how I tend to approach most stuff. Like when I'm doing computer programming, I just like throw the, the program together. Let's play it until it breaks. Okay, it's broken. Let's fi- fix it. You know, so I would just throw cars together. But my advice for a commander would be Northern the Weary and Confusion in the Ranks and 98 other cards. 
<laughs> Good to know. And that's when you get a local banalist stopping playing that card. I, I, it lasted one night before everybody was like, no, we're not playing against you, Steve, unless you take out your deck. <laughs> but I'm excited though. I feel like um I, I feel like Commander gives people a lot a lot of opportunities to get to know one another. Like I know my local game store has a Commander after F and M every night. So if you're new to the store, they usually recommend that you stick around for Commander, and that's where people get to know you. And um, it's a good way to kind of let your hair down a little bit, and it's it's not that serious, and um, it, it's a it's a great way to get involved that I haven't been able to take advantage of quite yet. That's actually something we've just started doing at our store. We are now doing Commander after F and M. We used to do Mini Master, but that seems to be sided out for Commander, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Although Commander is is very personal insofar as you know you're building a very personalized deck, like you know you're you're building exactly what you want, and it's all customized by you. But then you also get the the sort of local meta game where people are just like, no, we 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 don't do land construction here. We're a much more civilized sort of magic, you know. So that's something yeah. else you're going to end up having to, I guess, learn. But that just the the fun the funny thing I find with Commander is that there's you get different players and have different expectations of it. Mm. You have some really sort of spiky Commander players, and you get really casual players that play Commander, and they expect it to be casual, and they do not like it when you blow up their lands, wipe the f- field, or do anything which actually brings about the end of the game. And it's like we just want to play the game. We don't want to. We don't want anyone to win or lose. We just want to play and have fun. And it's like no, somebody must win. And then when you get the two groups of people meeting, you end up with strange kind of games. You know? Yeah, that's part of the thing I'm worried about is, you know, I worry that I'm going to go into it because I have heard it is more casual and I have heard that it's not necessarily about winning or that you're not going in there as a spike and ready to like dominate everybody, you know, and my problem is if I believe that and I go in and they're going, I'm just here to have fun, you guys, and then everybody else is here to stop me. And then people are looking at me like, why'd you bring the lame deck? And it's like, I thought we were just having fun, you know, like, you know, and, and also at the same time, I don't want to get too into it and be too alpha and then go into it and everybody around me is like, man, why did this, why is she playing so hard? Like, why is she, you know, I, I don't quite know how to jump in. I don't know which of the extremes to fall into. I think so. you're just going to have to dip your toe in the water and find out because I think yeah. each, like each local metagame is very different. Like, you know, when I go to Steve's and I play with Steve, it's very casual, but then I've started playing um, Commander at FNM and I was just playing against these two decks. It was just like, okay, it's turn four. I've got 50 green mana and I'm just going to do these things. And I'm going, I, I exile one card with Joyra and I'll come into play in four turns. And will we get to turn? Like when I cast them? Because <laughs> they're just like going, oh, I'll just uh, destroy your land. It's like, okay. And I'll just uh, return all your cards to your hands. Like, I, I, I don't have a reliquy tower. What's going on? <laughs> so it's, yeah, you, you, the meta game's wildly different. And it's just something which I guess you just sort of, jump in to learn. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have a couple of players that come to mind each week and the, there are just some cards that are considered bad form. It's like Whisper Silk Cloak. You didn't. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is that in there? And it's like, well, what? What? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with Whisper Silk Cloak? It's like, that is just low. It's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with my unblockable Adrazi Annihilator 4? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. News over. Name that card! Erin, are you familiar with how Name That Card works? Uh, not terribly, but I'm a fast learner and I'm competitive, so rawr, I'm gonna eat you. I've, I've got an idea, I've got an idea. Okay. We, right, <laughs> sorry. How about we, we, uh, we have a buzzer? Me! How about we play Strip Name That Card? No? That works for me. <laughs> 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 
Stay alone anyway. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll do it your way, Craig. God, you're so modest. Right. Um, yes, I'm, I'm not sitting here in silence blushing or anything at all. Right. So name that card. Um, the idea is somebody grabs a card, preferably from Dragon's Maze, I'll say, but I suppose anything in Return to Ravka is fine, and slowly teasing out the details... You said tease. Yeah. Uh, teasing out the details, the other players have to try to guess which card it is. Does okay. that make sense? I can do it. So are we are we working in a team to guess card, or is this competitive, Craig? Whatever you desire. <laughs> <laughs> I desire to strip, but you shut that down, so... <laughs> I didn't say anything against it. I just didn't say anything, so... Okay. I think I have my card. You may go first, if you like. Oh, really? Okay. Um, it's a creature. It has an ability similar to a sorcery in Return to Ravnica, but you get to do it every turn. Oh, Salic Tains? So it makes you, it makes everybody do something every turn similar to a spell. Of the same colors, mind you. So it's, it shares colors with the spell. Um, and normally it's a sorcery and you, you do it once and a, a player does something and, and you call it a day. But this creature makes you do it every turn. Okay. It can be hurtful to you if you don't play around it. Wait, um, this, is this from Dragon's Maze? Yes, it is. Okay, so <laughs> it's not actually Dustmanto Seer, which is what I was suddenly thinking. No, it is not, no. Oh, okay. Uh, you, it is a demon. Uh, I can only think of one, but I don't think that's got any such as... It's something that Jun is actually excited to play. Um, mostly in the sideboard, but a little bit in the main. Its power is greater than its toughness. No, it's, okay, so it's definitely no Master of Cruelties, which is the only thing I can think of at the moment. Uh, no. Oh, man, I'm stuck for once. I can't even think. Uh, it's, has, <laughs> it's expensive. It's converted mana cost is six. Um, it has the colors of Rakdos. <laughs> We're running out of details, Craig. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I can only think of Master Crew. It's... I'm going to read you the flavor text now, okay? Ooh, its okay. victims become mindless lunatics. Conveniently, that's the first step in joining the cult of Rakdos. Ooh, wait, that rings a bell. You the picture stuck. almost looks kind of innocent. Like, the artwork almost looks like the demon is giving someone a bath. That... Okay. There, there's a zombie cleric that kind of looks like he's got a bath in front of him. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to read to you what the actual text says. At the beginning of each end step, each player discards his or her hand. Oh, wait, that... Oh, 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 oh I've read the... Uh... That's a Channel Fireball preview card, if I remember right. Uh, uh, power and toughness six four creature demon insanity insanity something of insanity insanity something it costs four one black and one red uh, was, it is the sire of insanity oh, <laughs> oh it's been a while since I haven't been able to guess a card it looks like he's giving a guy a bath he's pulling him out a cauldron no, because he could be looking at it. It almost looks like that's a dolly, and he's just washing his dolly. Well, I, I have never bathed in glowing green liquid, I'll be honest. But. You'd never tell by the look of you, Craig. <laughs> you, sir, I, I, I do not need three people on this podcast. You are welcome to leave. Yeah, but then you're stuck with just me, and, and you can't handle that. You're, you're, you're a good talker, right? I can just be quiet in the corner, yeah? That works. Yeah, but I don't want you to be quiet. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> just, 
Um, Steve, you got a card? Um, I will get one. Here we go. I'm ready. Okay. I am looking at a card. Good start. Right. The artist... Oh, goodness. <laughs> ...is Chase Stone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a rare. Okay. And... Okay, see, I've got a horrible feeling, Craig, that you have gone through every single card and memorised the flavour text. So you're not getting the flavour text yet. You you uh, think terrible things of me, sir. <laughs> I think you're a downright cheat at this. That's what I think. Okay, this has a, a Simic Guild sign at the back of the text box. And it is an instant. Oh, okay. Um, uh, is it a fuse? No. No, okay. <laughs> no. Um, uh, plasm capture. Damn it. Oh, yes. You got it. No, I just thought Superb. of that. Craig has met his match. Oh, I, like, uh-huh. I like plasm capture because it does, it does kind of feel like a Ghostbusters reference. <laughs> it's getting a lot of really good feedback. Like a lot of people are really excited because it's similar to Managerain, which was a really beloved card. So people are going, well, we can't have Managerain, but we can have this. So yeah. we'll take this. So people are really excited about it. Yeah. Plus, I got Niv in the artwork, which is always good. I mean, it yeah. means the card is better <laughs> instantly. <laughs> right, um, a card, a card, a card. Let me see. Okay, fine, we'll go for it. Um, okay, I have in front of me a card, and it Did is. Did you really? Uh, or is it on your computer screen? <laughs> no, I've actually it's got the card about, on a on a scuff. your integrity here, Craig. Uh, it is a creature, and it is a three-three. Oh. Three threes. The creature is a cleric and a human. Oh, oh, um. That sounds like an Orsoff card. It has mm. black in the manifest. Oh, um, uh, Mauve Obsidat. It is not Mauve Obsidat. Ah. Uh. <laughs> it also has red in the manifest. Oh, oh. It's a, the um, legendary Blood Witch thing. It is Xava, yes. Yay! Rakdos Blood Witch. Yeah, victory dance, victory dance. Ooh. Yeah, but I actually named her. You just said the Blood Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's tiny little... You are competitive. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's uh, why I wanted to play Strip Guess the Card, because I knew that I would not have to strip. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm in some, some, some stunned silence. Um, <laughs> right. Let us move on to our first main topic. So, um, as we said, and as we've been sort of talking about, all of Dragon's Maze is now available for us to peruse and enjoy at our leisure and drool over and pre-order and everything, at least until... Leisure? Sorry? You said leisure? Isn't that leisure? You said leisure. Is that no, a no, it's, it's, it's leisure. Leisure. Okay. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> tomato. Tomato. Yeah, that is, that is a tomato-tomato <laughs> thing, except for... Okay, okay. One's acceptable here, I guess. Okay, I'll have to try it sometime <laughs> to see if I can pull it off. My my leisure, okay. Like you, you also have vacations and we have holidays, but you That's have true. holidays and we have public holidays, which is. But it's also interesting that you don't use the plural form. Like for example, you say I'm going on holiday, whereas we would say I'm going. If we did use that word, we would say I'm going on a holiday, or you know, you or I'm going to university. Whereas I would be like I'm going to the university. We we you guys skip those words. That's interesting. I, was, I, I never realized that before, but yeah, that's a good point. Or hospital. I'm going to hospital. Well, for me, it's I'm going to the hospital, you know, like. That's right, we do miss out the, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Strange. 
I love this is turned into like a language discourse. Anyway. <laughs> yes, let us talk about preview cards. Um is there any which has taken any cards which has taken anybody's fancy? Mm, yes. Okay. Putrefy. I know it's a reprint, but yes, gimme. Putrefy has returned indeed. Mm, love it. That is that already being run in Jund? Like I mean a modern obviously. No. Um I don't know about modern, but I know standards really looking forward to it. Just because of the flexibility of... Right, because right now we're having to use murder for our, our three-cost instant spell, which, granted, we can get the two black mana, but it is so much easier to just get one green and one black. It also really helps that it, it goes around regenerating creatures, which always helps. And also, too, um, people have been siding in Witch Bane Orb against Jund, um, which can really suck. So it also helps us get rid of that. You can also get rid of Pithing Needles if you need to, um, if people bring those in. You know, if you do come up against the Omni door decks, you can get rid of the, the lotuses of the door. Um, it's pretty versatile. Um, I, I don't see many people going with more than one or two, but still, it's pretty it's pretty welcome. I know I'll certainly be putting it in my deck. So I assume that just goes main deck, and that also helps clear out some of your sideboard because you don't need to have sort of that artifact hate in it. Or we would probably just well, we're not really packing artifact hate right now, anyways, unless you kind of sit at slime. Um, but I think most people are just going to be replacing murder with it, basically. So. Mm. That's a shame. Murder's, murder's such a lovely, elegant card. So, you know, just destroy hard creature, done here, you know. It is, and it's it's interesting. I, I admit that I don't really understand why more people don't use it, especially with obes that are running around. You know, you really need something instant speed. And mm. they're smart enough to play around Tragic Slip, where they're not going to kill anything. Um, so I know Jund usually keeps one murder in, or they've been using Victim of Night. But honestly, I think it just comes down to that two black being kind of troublesome. And three, you know, you would think that two and, you know, two, something costing two and something costing three wouldn't make much of a difference. But when you really need something dead... It can make a difference. So, I, 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 sorry, I'm just. I, I just love the fact that we we're completely looking at this a different way. Because, like I've said before, I got the blinkers on whenever Luca cards. Like I don't think constructed at all. I'm always thinking <laughs> limited. Which, I mean, to me, I'm just reading this and it just says it's just a bit like murder. It just says destroy target creature. <laughs> it can't be regenerated because artifacts aren't a thing which I ever worry about. Mm-hmm. But I think an important thing to note about it, and it's the same as there's a, a lot of cards in this set, it's like cheap removal that's been kind of missing throughout the whole Gatecrash. Mm-hmm. So like, Gatecrash, your your best removal spells start at like four mana. I mean, there's a lot of good quality removal in Gatecrash, it's just a bit pricey. Mm-hmm. And um, I know it says a lot about what the format's going to be like, if, if your first pack's going to feed you a load of cheap removal and no one-drops. Like, there's no one-drops in the set at all. Really? Like one-drop one drop creatures, there's not one one-drop creature. And it's like, hmm, interesting. So the, I, I think the pre-release will be very different to how the draft format will turn out. But uh, Yeah, they're predicting it's going to be a slower format. Um, I was reading, uh, they actually did a couple articles today on Daily MTG that were meant to sort of give people a preview of how it was going to go. And they were just sort of telling people that it's going to be slower in a good way. Um, they're hoping that the limited games aren't so fast and that people really can can use those bigger cards or those more expensive cards. Yeah, I, I was kind of going around in my head, kind of whether it would be slower or not, because I was thinking, well, a normal pre-release kind of sealed event is generally slower, because people try to cram in more kind of clunky guys, they try to cram in their bombs and things, and the mana fixing's not there. And I had a quick count up from, like, through, in, in the block, there's about 55 mana fixing spells, mm-hmm. so it's like, there, the chances of not being able to play three colours smoothly is pretty unlikely. If, you know, you could you're going to play all your all your best bomby rares and squeeze them in there, and you're looking at bomby rares that start at three and four mana. So although you're not 
going to be getting a rough start. There's the sort of pressure starts really early, I think. Yeah, that was also something else the article and Daily NTG said is they really want people to do the three color thing. Because there are people that are still strangely intimidated by it. And, um, you know, you're right. The mana fixing wasn't that great, especially in Dragons. I mean, you know, in the previous two, but, um, you have a chance to get every key rune now or, you know, every clue stone now and every, you know, whatever. And, um, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be great. And I, I'm excited. Yeah, you're just getting mana fixing thrown at you with the, like the land slot. Like, unless you're really unlucky and you get a maze's end, then, you got fixing right there in every single pack. And yeah, with the clue stones being common, then there's going to be plenty of them kicking around as well. Mm-hmm. One thing I did notice about, um, Dragon's Maze, there are f- like 60 commons if we ignore the guild gates. 40 of them are monocolor. There's, I didn't notice that. There is a lot of monocolor commons. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm just curious why they've done that. Like just had so many rather than giving us more guild stuff, because that, that is sort of what sells the set, so... Yeah, I think it's probably just so you're not too entrenched in one guild from the first pack, I'd imagine. I was just saying, I think it comes from a removal angle, because isn't one of the new removal spells like Sacrifice Target Multicolored Permanent? <laughs> um, Always just renounce the guilds. And- right, so that, I mean, you don't want to make everything a target for that. And at the same time, you've also got removal like Ultimate Price, which is destroy target monocolored creatures. So I think they have to make it skew evenly enough where... You know, you know, where Ultimate Price still has a use, because it hasn't seen a lot of use since Dragon Maze, Dragon's Maze came out. Um, at least in the decks that I've seen. Nobody's really playing it that much anymore. Um, you know, so it, it gives it something to do, and at the same time, you don't want to give the other spell too much to do, because that makes Renounce the Guilds awesome. <laughs> and then every other removal spell, not so much. So I can understand it from, and I play a lot of removal spells. You know, I play decks that favor removal spells, so I can see it. Is, is there a scope here to really force one colour and just be like two colours? Like just sit there and take every single black card that comes your way and just play all the monocolour cards from the three sets and have the most consistent deck at the table? I don't know. See, I don't really know much about it. I just only started drafting recently, so that's not something I might be prepared to answer. Yeah, yeah, just because, you know, it's possible you're sitting in a seat where one colour is not getting drafted near you. You know, you could sit and just get a monocolor deck. Maybe that's in, in Cloud Cuckoo Land somewhere, I don't know. So I think the, I mean, coming from a newbie perspective, maybe they just want to make sure that everybody can draft what they want, because you figure, if we're playing with all ten guilds, is it? Ten? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you figure the colors are starting to overlap. So, like, let's say you have somebody who wants to be Boros. Boros is red and white, um, and they see something really, really great that they love that's red. Well, that means anybody who wanted to play Rakdos, and anybody who wanted to play Izzet, anybody who wanted to play, you know, Gruel, that's less red cards for them. So it'd be very easy for that one person to sort of take them all. Um, so maybe they just want to make sure that everybody that shares a color has an even chance of getting that color, so that you're not going into it going, I want to be Demir, and then you get one blue card because Cynic took them and Azorius took them and, you know, and you didn't get any blue. So I can see them wanting to spread it around. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be really odd drafting that and try to pick up signals because you're, you're taking cards of perhaps one guild in the first pack and then the guilds that are available change in the second pack and they're coming from a different direction so the colours that are open are different in that direction as well. And you're going to end up with a really strange mix of cards and then you get your original direction back again and oh, I don't know it's, it's got to be seen to be seen 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know we said before that, you know, you ch- sort of try to lock in your first color maybe halfway, most of the way through your first pack and try to work out your second color, sort of early second pack. I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. You may just try to keep yourself as open as you can first pack and then see what guild you kind of get the second pack and then figure out an ally in the third. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting drafting this. I've never drafted a full block, so I'm kind of looking forward to it, but I'm, I have no idea how this is going to work. <laughs> I drafted a block the other day. I, I think you can call it a block. I was at Tifa and Mike's place and we drafted, we drafted Innistrad, Dark Ascension, Avacyn Restored, M13, Return to Ravnica, and Gatecrash. All wow. in one. It was a gong show, let me tell you. <laughs> I had the most like burning hot mess deck ever. Like my all-star was like, you know, that freaking banshee with the morbid. Like, oh, it was morbid, tragic. Yeah. It was tragic. Like. <laughs> It was bad. And then Mike was playing like some freak ass Demir Mill thing where like, you know, Curse of the Bleeding Tome, Mind Grind. And I'm like, you can climb a wall of dick, sir. Like, it's like, I hate you. The Mill deck hasn't become a thing, has it? Because I thought, because there, there are plenty of Mill themes in the Innistrad block and obviously now we have Demir. I thought Mill would be viable, but has that, has that really made a splash at all in standard? <laughs> have you heard of Esper Control? <laughs> I'm vaguely aware of the colors. Okay, as for control, their win condition is either Jace, Nefalia Drownyard, or some perverted combination of the two. That's but, how Esper Control wins. But those, those aren't the fun mill cards. That isn't like Mind Sculpt and Mind Grind. That's, but, J- but, but, that's I mean, Jace being those, Jace. Those actual but cards? those are cards that you can get repeated use out of, though. I mean, like, the thing about Mind Grind is it does mill you, and, and other cards like that do mill you, but you can only use them once, maybe twice if you have a Snapcaster Mage, but something like Jace can mill you over and over and over, and the Folly of Drown Yard can be used as an instance. So if you've got spare mana, drown you for three, drown you for six, and um, it, it is a win condition, and it's it's part of what's kept Esper Control around for so long, and um, it's pretty gross to play against. Nothing makes me tilt. Like Esper Control. Like I don't mind losing to Naya Blitz. I don't mind losing to Black Red Zombies, but losing to Drownyard pisses me off. And and it's funny because people say, you know, Mill is so not viable. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it is. Like I've lost to it. It's fucking not fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. I gotta say that sounds fantastic, but I'm the sort of terrible person who play <laughs> Mill. That's the sort of thing I would enjoy. So it's I don't like Esper Control. I don't like Esper Control just because so much of it is drawing cards. I mean, like, really, like, you're, think twice, think twice, Azorius Charm, draw cards, Things of Revelation, draw cards. They really do spend most of their time drawing cards. It, it, it's the most boring deck to run into. And God forbid you ever stumble into, like, Esper Control versus Esper Control. It's basically like sword fighting. Like, no one's doing anything. I, I don't know why you'd play a deck that's goldfishing, basically, that you could play at home. <laughs> I, I, assume- I don't Sorry, I assume you've seen Notion Thief now. Which yeah, I was just going to say that. I have, and that's going to be an awesome sideboarding card, especially against those little guys who are, like, you know, just whacking off with Azorius Charm for five turns, you know? So. I love the fact it has Flash. Like, it's not just it's not just I play it and I just kind of go, yeah, all those cards in your hand, they're sort of dead now. It's that they cast a spell and you go, I'll be having those cards, thank you very much. So how many lands did you tap for your Sphinx's Revelation there? <laughs> but I agree there's going to turn out like Skullcrack. I mean, Skullcrack was kind of the same concept where people were like, oh, it's going to host the Red Dusk! And people were like really building it up to be this great thing and everybody swore up and down that they were going to put it in their decks and people weren't going to know what hit them and nobody plays Skullcrack now. So I worry that it's, it, you know, I worry that it, it does have a really good use. I just think that people, it's getting a lot of hype now. I just think that when it comes down to it, it's not going to make a dent. Well, no. well, maybe just be a cyber card in Asper Control for the mirror. <laughs> no, it's not how it's supposed to be. 
<laughs> Are you saying that out of hope or out of belief? I'm not... I just, I can't stand us for control. Those guys can, I don't know. I have no love for them whatsoever. So I don't really care what they do, but I would really like to see it be used against them. I don't want to see them make it their own. That would make me very sad. You know the, uh, the drown yard? What I like about that is the kind of inevitability you get with it. The, um, you, you know, your day, the game is going to end at some point, you know, with this card in play. And there's a guy in uh, Dragon's Maze, it's a bit like that, maybe more relevant for draft than constructed, but uh, he's the black guy, the higher torturer. Mm-hmm. And you just sit and tap him and he does two damage. He doesn't even do two, two damage, he just takes off two life, two life, two life. And also reveals cards from hand, but it's pretty kind of a... Uh, irrelevant thing unless he's just got one card in hand but uh, just this nice inevitability it's like yeah that guy's going to be good <laughs> it only costs three mana as well it's like a two three apparently higher torture is Marrow's favourite card from Dragon's Maze really? I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it and going why but he also likes squirrels so I mean I'm not going to argue with him but yeah but I mean it's just <laughs> that inevitability buddy you know it's just like you know I'm just going to have this guy in play unless you can kill him he's going to kill you eventually you know, surely there's a lot of creatures you can say that about, though. Well, yeah. not not so much without uh, interacting, having to interact in any other way. I mean, he doesn't have to come across the board and attack you. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to get past anything. You just need to have mana and tap him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just got to avoid dying. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no removal. Anyways, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, no, 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 no. I, no, no. I, I, no, I, I realise. Talking about it being a slower environment. You're talking about it being a more control-oriented environment. This is just a guy that will get it done because the games are going longer. You know. Anyway, that's just mine. No, that's that's fair. I was, I was being slightly facetious, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I talk about Dragon Shift? Because as a Vorthos, that is amazing. Turning all of of my creatures into dragons and then attacking with them. Yes. I just want to do that. Like, I know it's not constructed playable at all, but I, I just want to do that once, and that'll make me very... I wouldn't rule it out completely. I'm not really sure which... I could see it... I could maybe see it in, like, a maybe, like, a UWR flash, like a combat trick kind of thing. Maybe even, like... I know people have talked about Grixis Control or Grixis Midrange finally making a splash, and whether or not Dragon's Maze will give them the means to do that. So maybe it could fit in there. American Midrange. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, I would love to, I, I would just love to see an is it deck be constructed. If, if just blue and red in a deck in standard was a thing, that would probably draw me into standard. Well, it is right now, but only with a third color. Yeah, that, see, that's, that's the key problem. I don't want to do that. I just want to be pure is it and just have fun with inside just those two colors exclusively, but. I'm, I'm probably asking a lot. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm demanding the metagame warps itself just so I can play a, a pet deck. But I'm, I'm just scrolling down the the spoiler here, and I'm looking. Craig, is there any other card that references dragons in this set? I mean, I'm, I'm going on the basis this is called Dragon's Maze. Is there even a dragon in it? There are no dragons in Dragon's Maze. <laughs> Good point. Is that, is that why it's so mysterious? Is that why nobody can find Because there is no dragon. You know? It's it's interesting, but apparently the the reasoning is you know they design the set and they make the set and the name comes afterwards. So when they created all the cards, there was no name Dragon's Maze, so there was no sort of impetus to have a dragon. Yeah, but then they chose afterwards to call it Dragon's Maze. Actually, so, you're forgetting there is there are some Drakes in here. If those count, Wind Drake, Rakdos Drake. But they're still like lesser. Dragons, they're, aren't they're they? Not, they're not dragons. Oh. If, you know, my, my, my adaptive ottoman with his 
dragon creature type called out would not plus them up, so they're not dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Same argument with changelings, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't call it a dragon. Yeah, dragon shift, I think, is the only way to get a dragon in this. Yeah. It, it's weird, I mean... It's I, all about, man. I, I mean, when you when you have something called Dragon's Mage, you do kind of expect a dragon to be at the centre of this. And sure, Nibn is a central storyline-wise, but... Is there a secret, unrevealed card? <laughs> Somebody's just going to open a booster and go, <laughs> oh, Look, this wasn't even in the spoiler! Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, where did you come from? Yeah. Uh, I think they said they... I think they confirmed that Nicol Bolas wasn't a thing in this. Yeah, I, I, I know that was sort of a rumour. It's like, Nicol Bolas is going to be in the centre of the maze, and I'm just like, that would be cool and wrong at the same time. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of worn out as welcome, where it's like, there's got to be something else, you know? Well, he's been got rid of. I mean, he's not the big bad guy in M14, so... Mm -hmm. I will say one card, though, that I don't understand the fuss over, and maybe it's just me being dense, but Voice of Resurgence? I don't get it. Like, I'm not really seeing what the fuss is about, but it's going for, like, $20 on most of the sites, and people are like, it's going to screw control, man. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, I I think, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but I'm going, well, you still need creatures out to make the token anything worth worrying about. And I don't know, I just feel like it's one of those that's not really worth the hype. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's just hard for me to think in a standard mind frame because I don't play it, but... I mean, I understand that whole it's immune to white because it then creates the token, but it's not legendary. I mean, you can play multiple of them, so maybe that's where the threat is. You know, you've got three or four of them on the board and you wipe them and you've still got three, three, threes or four, four, fours to deal with, but... I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, it kind of escapes me. Well, you're told fussed by the fact that they changed the rules text on Voice of Resurgent with Amara... I forgot her surname now, but the... Amara Tandras? Yeah, like, because they basically realised, oh, um, yeah, that's a bit too powerful for a rare. We'll just swap the, the, the text on these two cards, but just keep the name and the types the same. Like, were you at all bothered by that? Because I know a lot of people were like, Amara doesn't make sense. She's like a little elf, and she's a 5'7", so she's just beating the face. Like, what? Um, <laughs> I, I kind of... I mean, I'm not a Vorthos nerd. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So I didn't know anything about Amara. I didn't know anything about her backstory. Um, I had already seen the champions leading up to her, and I knew that they were all kind of meh to begin with. So I expected her to be just as meh. Um, so I wasn't surprised when she turned out that way, because that's how they all kind of turned out. Like, none of the champions are particularly great. Um, some of them may get some, like, niche use or something like that. But to me, she just kind of fell in line with the others. And... Um, I appreciate that they admitted the screw-up. I, I think it would have been worse if they were like, nope, no changes here. Mm-mm. But, you know, they said, you know, yes, we meant for it to be like this. Um, but they've also said going into Dragon's Maze that Dragon's Maze has been very tough to, to do and to design because you're having to squeeze all ten in there and you're only having so many rares and you still have to give everybody their due. So some cutbacks were going to need to be made. Mm-hmm. Some eggs were going to need to be broken, no pun intended. Um, and that just happened to be one of them. And um, I understand. I mean, you know, would it have been really cool to have her? But then, yeah, look at all the other champions. It would have sucked. And um, if anything, it made me more curious to see what other cards were changed. I don't believe that that was the only one or those were the only two. Um, so I would like to know what else maybe got that sort of treatment. But I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't upset about it. Um, I wasn't faulting anybody for being upset about it. But I just didn't really have a dog in that fight. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, it was interesting to hear, like, oh, yeah, we've changed these two around because, you know, it it didn't work. Like, as much as we'd like it to work storyline-wise, you know, that's what sort of Mara does. She creates elementals, I guess. I don't, I honestly don't know the storyline personally, but, like, 
I appreciate they let us know that they swapped the cars, but yeah, this story over my me. head. <laughs> What's that? What are you guys talking yeah. about? I don't know. <laughs> There was a, there was a big outrage. People were mad. None of us were affected, at least here. So yeah. okay, I, I just thought I'd ask just in case it was yeah. funny, which because I was aware of it. So you know, mm-hmm. if anything, I was more perplexed by Tessa because me being an Orzov girl and um, Tessa's art kind of bothered me a little bit. I was like, going to ask about that. Yes. Okay, so a couple <laughs> things about this kind of irked me, and I love Tessa. I love her as a lore character. I think the story they're doing with her is really well done. It's not marginalizing her or anything like that. Um, she's being really well represented as a strong woman and everything like that. But um, two things kind of bothered me. <clears throat> I don't know if you're looking at the picture right now. Um, it looks like she has two legs of the same. Like, you notice how the leg underneath the thigh goes inside with the other thigh? Yeah, like they're both sort of coming out as like a weird two tentacles. It looks like she has two stomach. right legs almost. Yeah. Like your thighs are supposed to go in different directions. And the, the, the two thighs are veering upwards at the same angle. So that kind of struck me as odd. And Tessa also is well known as having a a practically useless leg, as the lore says. And that's sort of the, the price she paid for her powers. So she's got her cane, which is great. I'm glad they're acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of going, okay, wait a minute. If you're lame... For lack, I mean that's that's what it means. Lame. You have a, a limb that doesn't work. Um, is the is the the non-working leg crossed on top of the good leg, or did they cross the good leg on top of the bad leg? And can a bad leg support a good leg? <laughs> I'm thinking about this way too much. I'm like, you know, if a leg is practically useless, how is it holding up a good leg? But if it's practically useless, how is she able to curl it and cross it around the good leg? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I what's going on with those legs? There is, there is. I, I gotta say, there was another thing about the artwork which really bothered me, and I don't have any better way to describe it other than calling it the boop window. Why does she have this hole in her dress, <laughs> just showing parts of her breast? Like, wh- why is that there? Why is that needed? Is she well, not? Like, I don't know. It's just well, it looks like the Orzov symbol. It looks like it's the O of the sun, and then the sun goes around the hole. I, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I thought it was tasteful. Okay, maybe it's just me. Like, I, I don't know. I've... I thought you were gonna talk about her soul patch. That, that that interested me, but not enough to mention. I mean, I think she has that in the original art from Ravnica block, if I remember correctly. I'm just glad she's owning it. You know, facial hair, you know, be proud, you know. Some women burn their bras, some don't shave their pits. She's going for the soul patch. I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. And besides, she's envoy of ghosts, so ghost, soul, soul patch. I get it. I'm down. <laughs> I wonder if they put that in the art description. <laughs> <laughs> Need soul patch. Give her a soul patch. She represents the ghosts, you know. It's, it's all tied in there. It's really meta. You never know. It's unfortunate her card isn't playable, right? Can I say that? Um, I haven't ruled it out. I think it's kind of fun. I would. I don't know if it would be good and constructed, but I'm looking hmm. forward to opening one in limited. I think it's going to be a great time. Like, <laughs> the format is going to have to be reasonably slow for a seven drop to make a big difference. You know, one which doesn't come into play and actually do something. That was my concern with Tessa. Like, well, she's her. protection creatures right off the bat, so sure, I mean, she'd, she'd make a hell of a blocker. But uh, beyond that, I mean, I could still potentially off a strike and just yeah, my creatures die, but your life total is you know zero or less. That's my. She'd also make a hell of a pillow for it too. I mean, like when a creature deals combat damage, you destroy it. So if you have enough life or you have a way to get that life back, pff, hit me all you want, fuckers. Like just. You know, I'll just take it. You know, I could see that being a thing, you know. Gift of Orzova. Oh, <laughs> I love that card. Love it. Hmm. I mean, I'll give her a fair shot if I happen to open Tasa, that's for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. but I'm just, 
I'm doubtful at the moment, but. You said open, Tasa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sounded kind of naughty. <laughs> the, the, this is, this is an interesting experience, just being <laughs> speechless all the time. Um, right, are, are there any other cards which we wish to discuss? I have, I have one that I'm quite excited to see, Craig. Okay. But it's got nothing to do with draft. That's fine. That's fine. I remember I'm, we were talking about, uh, uh, Commander a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about, uh, my, uh, Norn Weary deck and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a little card in this set called Possibility Storm. Right. <laughs> and it's gonna go right in there. <laughs> so this is the card with the most text in the set, right? Yeah. I, yeah, probably. And it's awesome. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards to the top of his or her library till he or she exiles a card which shares a card type with it. That player may then cast that card while playing its mana cost, then he or she puts all cards exile with possibility store from the bottom of his or her library in a random order. Right. Yeah. So I'm this thinking... is, you play cheap creatures to get expensive creatures out of your deck. No. Or... No, no, Craig. This is where you play creatures or anything and get a random result. <laughs> so you're you're not trying to game the system by like going, I play a one drop, I hope to hit a five nope. drop. You're just like, I play a five drop, let's roll the dice and Yes. That's what's happening here. That's what that's all about. It's about flipping coins and rolling dice. Man. I mean I would have put knowledge pool in it, but it was like that was just a bit too abusive for Commander and everyone would hate me, but this is going right in there. Oh my god, what does that do when you put knowledge? This is the sort of like, hey, judge, I've got this question which you're going to hate answering, but I'm going to ask it to you anyways because you have to answer. Go! Oh, yeah. God. I'm not and answering also, the question. Also, going in the, uh, the sort of Chaos Commander deck I've got is the uh, Ral Zarek. I've not found a, a, an Is It Commander yet, but Ral Zarek will be making his way in there with his flip five coins in the bottom there. Now that I have arguably a, a standard expert here, is Ral Zarek going to be played? Yes, I yes! can see him getting some use. Um, there's been a lot of rumblings about him, especially in, like I said, American mid-range UWR flash. Um, some people have talked about building around him in general. Um, he'll, he'll definitely see some use. He's going for about $30 right now, depending on where you go. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of buzz around him. Fantastic. Yeah. That, that seems to be the standard price, though, for any new Planeswalker coming out. You know, it seems um, to... A, a Gideon kind of peaked at 20 when he first mm. came out. Verasco was in like the 15 range, um, but they didn't last too long. So it wasn't hard for people to see that they were going to, you know, not last or not be that viable. Yeah, so. yeah. I know the cards I'm excited about. I mean, I'm excited about a lot of the Rakdos ones. I love Exava. Um, I would love to do something with her. Master of Cruelties. Oh my God. So much fun. Like that, that's going to be fun just to kill someone with like, you know, pillar of flame. Like <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun. Showstopper. I love the flavor text of it makes me laugh really hard. Oh, um, Showstopper's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, see, the thing is, it's just one of these ones where you're just going to be like, I attack you with all my guys. Right. Great. Mm. And then there's, I can't remember the name of the card. I think it's a black card that always sacrifice what's creatures. Um, yeah. was the plus ones on your guys so you go right I've showstopper sacrifice all my guys that one guy that's left gets all these plus ones and I do this ton of damage to you so oh look who wins it wasn't you ah. and it's like yeah that's going to be good 
Yeah, I'm really excited <sighs> about Veralls. Um, I know people are joking about using Veralls in modern with like Death's Embrace, I think it is, or Death's Shadow. Uh, Death's Shadow, yeah. So yes, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the sound of that. That sounds like fun. I'm trying to think what else I was really excited about. I love Rurik Thar. I think he's going to see some use with that whole non-creature spell thing. That's going to be kind of cool. That's really um, abusive, yeah. I'm scared to face him. He just seems... I mean, Unlimited, he seems really, really scary powerful. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Of course, anything Orzhov. Blood Baron. Blood Baron is hot. Yeah. Um, that card is genius. Um, I look forward to using that. Um, yeah, I think Obzadot's 8, I know some people are putzing around with. Um, there's been talk of Obzadot's 8 and like Borborygmos and, um, Omniscience and things like that. Yeah, so it's, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the things I'm good at. <laughs> I'm going to be playing the, the, uh, the Deputy of Acquittals just for the sole, sole purpose of bouncing a creature that's been arrested. <laughs> it's like, yes! It's going to happen. Yeah. I was so excited when I, I was like, oh, yeah, Detention Sphere as well, and I realized it wasn't in play to target. I was so sad. I was like, oh, oh well, I'll have to do an arrest. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um, shall we move on? Yeah, I think so. It seems like a reasonable mm-hmm. thing to do. Okay, so you are arguably the master mistress of interviews, I would say. I mean, there's... <laughs> no problem, Steve. <laughs> I mean, you're, you, as you, I mean, you're getting swamped with people asking to be on your show, which is an impressive thing. Yeah. Like, you're not just sort of like asking politely and going, would you like to be on the show? People are just like throwing themselves at you. So we thought we'd try an interview and this will probably go disastrously wrong in comparison, but. <laughs> You know, thought we thought we'd give it a shot because you know. I'm excited. Um, it's nice to be on the other side of the table. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, you're under the interrogation lights for once, I suppose. I I am ready. Who's the good cop and who's the bad cop? I'm clearly the good cop, right? <laughs> well, I'm fine with that. So I'm, Stephen makes a great bad cop. I just have to say. <laughs> oh, thanks. So um, I was just going to ask, what got you started with podcasting in the first place? Oh my. Um, this goes all the way back to World of Warcraft, actually. Um, I was a blogger for quite a while. I had a blog called the stories of O.net and, um, I recently let the domain fall away on that. So now it's the stories of O.wordpress, but you can still find my blog there. And, um, I was friends with a girl. She had a blog called the Bossy Pally and the Giant Spoon. And, uh, we were both really, really, we made, we became friends through the blogging community, actually. We were both kind of unique personalities and we felt like kindred spirits with each other and we got along really, really well. And, we started hanging out with each other on Skype, and it was just one of those things that we started joking about, like sometimes girls do. It's like, we should totally do a podcast, and, and she'd be like, I know, and then like we never would. And then we would get together like two weeks later, and it'd be really late, and we'd be on Skype, and it's like, no, really, we should totally, totally do a show, and, and she'd be like, I and then it would never happen. And um, and then one day we just bit the bullet and we were like, all right, God damn it, we're going to do this. We've said we're going to do it. And we went into it just like the most foolish, you know, no notes, no nothing. Just like, can you believe we're doing this? No, just complete idiots. And we didn't think anyone was going to listen. And as luck would have it, some people did. And uh, we were we recorded, I think, once a month. We didn't record very often. And uh, we actually only made it to about 20 episodes or so in our whole time. And um, we had a very small following, but people really, really liked us and really, really liked the show. And they would get really hungry for it when it would come out. And we had some really good guests on. And, um, and that led to us getting asked to be on other people's shows. And um, admittedly, 
I got asked a lot more than she did because people thought that she wasn't as outspoken as I was. So um, I kind of made the rounds on other people's shows and I ended up being a good guest. Like people, um, you know, I, I would generate a lot of listens and downloads and things like that. And um, eventually we decided that we didn't want to record anymore. Mostly because of my partner. She wasn't really feeling it as much. And she was handling a lot of the more technical aspects. So for her having to edit and do all of that was just really time-consuming for her. So she really didn't love doing it anymore. Um, and then uh, I um, I stopped because she stopped. And then I just kind of did the guest thing for a while. or just pop on random people's shows. And then when I stopped playing World of Warcraft, I... Um, I, I started playing Magic, and um, I realized that it would be harder to break into Magic as a blogger than it would be to WoW. Um, so I decided to, tr- to try the podcasting solo, and um, just kind of evolved into what it is now. So yeah, um, yeah. I had a question, and it's totally disappeared from my mind. <laughs> That's professionalism for you. Um, so I, I mean, I was gonna—I was wondering just if the when you stopped playing World of Warcraft, that that was a reason for it. But I guess. A little bit. Like, a lot of my early episodes were definitely me. Like I said, because I didn't have an outlet. I had no one to really... I didn't have anywhere to write about these things. So my first, like, 10 or 20 episodes was me just my first time, where it was my first PTQ, my first pre-release, my first uh, my first con, my first uh, Grand Prix. You know, it was just me talking about my first time doing all of these things because I had nowhere else to go with it. And um, it was just sort of my, my venting ground. I didn't think anyone was listening. I mostly did it for myself. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what the show started off as, was just me venting and ranting. You started off on the G Kick Network, I'm right mm-hmm. to say, and now you're on Legit MTG as yes. of like a fortnight ago, I want to say. Uh, last episode was the first episode that okay. was put there. Uh, it's, what prompted the move? Was that just a nice offer from Legit MTG, or were you dissatisfied That's honestly what it was. was. Okay. <laughs> no, my old network is amazing. It's truly amazing. I wish I could say something bad about them because Lord knows that'd be great for page views because. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm no fool. Uh, no, honestly, they they were so good to me, and and it, I really had to do so little when I was with them. It was it was me recording, throwing it up there, and they did so much of the work because I did, I didn't know a lot of the technical stuff back then, and I'm still not that great at it. And um, they were so good to me, and I didn't even have to do anything. There was no sort of proving ground. They knew me from I had been on their show a little bit. They had a show called the G Kick Show. Um, they knew me from the community. They knew what I could do, and they just sort of took a chance on me and were like, "We like you. Come on board." Um, they didn't charge me anything. They maintained my feed for me. Um, they did a lot of the back end heavy lifting for me. Um, even now, I would still recommend them. I actually forwarded somebody else who wants to start a show over to them. Um, amazing people. I really can't say that enough. It was nothing that they did wrong. Um, and the offer was completely out of the blue. Medina came to me, actually. Um, he had been on my show had listened to my show from top to bottom, which for him to be at his level, he is the number one magic podcast out right now. Um, the A-team is huge. They're always on top of the iTunes charts. Um, he has about 3,000 followers almost. Um, Legit MTG has massive following right there. And he had been on my show and really liked it. And then after the fact, he had DM'd me, and he was like, what do I need to do to have your show? And I was like, have? What do you have? What do you mean? Wow. And he was like, I want to host your show. And again, for someone up there where he's at to see me down here and see something in me and want to nurture that is fucking big. Um, and I was just like, uh, 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 what do you want to do for my show? You know, I don't know what to say. And, <laughs> and he was like, well, come up with some, you know, come up with some terms or what you think I need to do. And I sent him an email with some of my conditions, if you will. And, um, he was like, done. What, it's it. What do you need? <laughs> um, 
and it, it, it all happened really fast. And he's been so supportive, and they're really just you know promoting the hell out of me and supporting me. And it's a great, it's a great thing, and it's just snowballed, and it's become this big deal. And um, I, I'm just so blown away by it. I don't even know how I got here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just all happened. I really didn't, I didn't do it. <laughs> Well, you certainly did do it. I mean, you're there now. I mean, well, no, but I'm just saying, as it wasn't, any, I had no intention of that. You know, like when he came on my show, I just assumed that he was going to be another guest. I assumed that we were going to shoot tweets back and forth. You know, I had no idea that Jonathan frickin' Medina would look at me and see something in me of all people, because um, he's turned down a lot of people. You know, he's he's you know he's even said, you know, we've wanted to fill this void on our site for a while, and we haven't liked a lot of what we've heard. Um, so for me to be doing this nine months. You know, I'm not very good at the game yet, and and want to take a chance on me. What what do you say to that? You know, um, it's huge. It's so huge. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. What what's been the uh, the highlight of your podcast so far? Then do you think? Um, just people who follow me. Like, I mean, you know, people who I know listen to the show. Like, I you know, I, um, Trick Jarrett listened to my show a couple of times. He's Trick Jarrett from Wizards of the Coast. And, <laughs> um, the fact that Michael Robles was on my show and that led to, um, Monty Ashley listening to my show. He used to be the Mana Arcana guy from that. Um, Adam Saborski, he's the main guy behind Gathering Magic. He wants to be on my show. Like, holy shit, you know, like, um, the fact that these are people that I never thought would even know who I am or even acknowledge me or you know I, I got used to being the outsider when I played WoW I was very much the rebel and I never had people of that importance ever take an interest in me and then I was okay with that but it's weird to sort of be in you know it, it I don't know it's I don't want to get like emotional <laughs> on you but like acceptance is weird for me and then I never thought that I would be accepted and I am and it feels really good but it feels really weird I never thought it would happen like that so mm. it's very um very humbling yeah, your, your your contacts you just sort of mentioned there does sound like a who's who of magic, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, even this weekend, it's like, you know, I got to hang out with Tifa and Mike, and Tifa still works for Wizards of the Coast. She's their brand manager, and she's the founder of Lady Planeswalkers. And um, this whole weekend was meeting people. I got to meet uh, Lee Sharp. He's their big magic online guy. I got to meet John Laux. He's somebody else at Wizards. Dave Guskin. Um, Helene Bergio. Helene fucking Bergio. She's the head of organized play mm-hmm. for Wizards of the Coast. Oh, my God. And, you know, the whole weekend, I got to meet Alexis Jansen, who is the lead designer for Gay Crash. And not only to be a woman, but to be a trans woman, to be in the same room with her was just like, oh, my God, I respect you so much. And um, just not queening out around these people, you know. <laughs> um, I got to cube with Gavin Verhey, who writes you know who would have thought you know it's just it's crazy that it's opened all of these doors and that these are people that i you know refer to on a first name basis and i i I can't explain it (laughs) it's wild have you been uh starstruck yet like every first day (laughs) (laughs) every day I'm not going to list the name of people who you've interviewed because if they, <laughs> if people want to know you have a podcast, they should go listen to it. If they're not already listening to it, then they're doing it wrong. But <laughs> are, are there like a short list of people who you just love to interview who you haven't yet had the opportunity to do? Like, are, is there just one? 
Like The problem with that is there are people I would love to interview, but I need to know what we would talk about. And I've been really lucky that everybody I've had on, it's not hard to think of a, a topic. It's not hard to think of a subject or to think of a theme. But, um, you know, Michael Robles was tough, or Robles, I'm sorry, because when he first wanted to come on the show, he still was the community manager. So we were going to talk a lot about Wizards. We we're going to talk a lot about that. And then he got fired. And my first reaction was, let's talk about you getting fired. <laughs> um, and we couldn't. And then suddenly, you know, there was NDAs where he couldn't talk about a lot of things anymore. Yeah. And he still really wanted to come on. And I was like, Mike, I'd love to have you on, but what on earth are we going to talk about? I hate to say it, but his termination was a big topic. And if you take that off the table, it's like, well, what's left, you know? And, um, and then there were other people like Roberto Gonzalez. Well, he wears a bow tie. What else is there? You know, so, so there are times where I've really had to say, well, what could we talk about? And I've really had to do some research and I've had to do some digging. And, um, you know, if we, if I could, like Mike Flores, for example, somebody thought I should interview Mike Flores. And it's like, well, mm-hmm, you know, like what could we fill 60 minutes with? So that's really the main struggle. I have a long list of people I'd love to have on, but it's just a matter of finding things we could talk about. Um, and I also don't want to ask the, the boring subjects, you know, like I've been talking to Kibler about having Kibler on and people are like, you know, ask him what kind of deck protectors he uses. And I'm like, this is me. Like I need probe, you know, like if I ask Kibler anything, I'm not going to ask him what sleeves he uses. Like I can't do that. So, um, so that's mainly the issue is what we would talk about. Has anybody else brought it up before? Um, and will they talk about it with me? So, so um, what kind of sleeves do you use? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> I was using I was using the Legion brand deck protectors before, mm. um, and they had the V for Vendetta mask on them, um, and then I had the matching deck box to go with it. But I just bought some other ones the other day. Um, I don't remember the name of the brand. I remember the packaging being written in Japanese, um, and they were dark blue. And that's all I can remember. But I was using Legion up until recently. Nice. <laughs> I can't believe you asked that question. <laughs> I had to be done. I was like, I've got to see it. I've got to see it. <laughs> I'll answer anything. I can hang. Okay. I would, would I be right in thinking that your main focus when you're playing Magic is in Standard? That's yeah. where you dedicate most of your time. Is there anything which has stopped you moving into other formats, like Modern or Limited or... Or it's just standard. Um, I do enjoy like, limited. I do enjoy limited. Like I love going to pre-releases. I love two-headed giants. Um, I did two-headed giant at the SCG Open in Milwaukee. That was a lot of fun. Um, I think it's just mostly availability. Like I, I don't have a lot of places around here that do sealed regularly enough. Um, you figure with standard, you've got F and M. You've got most of the big events are standard, like the SCG events. PTQs are typically standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just mostly what's, what's, what I, what I have access to. Um, if I had stores around me that were doing sealed more regularly, I'd probably do it more often. Money is an issue. Um, for me right now, I put a lot of money into my Jun deck and I'm planning on writing Jun out through the season. So I'm good. I don't have to buy any more singles. I'm set. Um, for me to go into modern fetch lands are what, 30 bucks a pop now? I don't know, so like that, yeah. Yeah, so, and you need those pretty much for modern, so that's an investment I don't want to have to make. Um, I don't know the meta enough where I would imagine I'd be buying a lot of cards just keeping up with the meta. I don't really have an interest in that. You know, it just doesn't really interest me. I don't really like a lot of the decks that are out now. Sealed can be kind of expensive if you're paying $25 an event. That can kind of suck. And especially, there, you know, with drafting, I don't know how you guys draft, but I'm under the impression you don't necessarily get to keep your cards. So if I'm paying $30 for an event, and let's say I open something really cool, but I've drafted it away, I don't have $30 worth of cards to show for it anymore. Yeah, the way, the way I like to look at it is you pay $10, or $10, £10, £10, working pounds here. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 
you, you pay your money to enter an event, and then the prizes at the end are just what you get for your prize for where you place in the event. I, when I open the packs, I don't get too attached to what I open, personally. I mean, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose, the way we draft. Yeah, yeah and maybe that's just me, you know. No, it's fine. I mean, yeah, if you, if you say you opened a foil obsidat, you'd be like, I want to keep this. Like, can I just take this pack away? And just leave this store now. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> I can understand if you got wrenching to then, you know, even if you take it and you don't do well, then, you know, whoever comes first will just pay, take it away. And it's like, that was mine. Like, I, I can appreciate that side of yeah. it, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm definitely somebody who likes to see, I like to know what I've put into something. And like I said, if I'm putting $30 into it, like when I go to a pre-release, you know, I can, I leave with my guild box. I leave with everything that came in the box. I don't, I don't feel like I've lost anything. Um, but for me to pay $30 and be like, what do you have? Um, I have a couple Wojak Legionnaires. That's it. Like, <laughs> I would feel very weird about that. And that's just not okay with me. See, um, it depends on this, uh, formats you play. I mean, I- I play a lot of casual stuff like Commander and just make random decks and things, so I don't mind picking up less highly valued rares and things because I like to fill out my collection and fill out my playsets of certain cards just so I can make silly decks. So like I can nearly always find something in a pool of cards, uh, the redraft at the end, that I want. You know, like I'll, I'll nearly always get, come away with stuff that I want because other people value different cards differently to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I always feel like I come away with something from a draft that I want at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I suppose if you're really focused on constructed, then the only cards that matter are the value cards, and I can see how that would make it feel bad. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> am, I, am I right in thinking you are on a playtesting team for tournaments at the moment? Um, ish. Okay. It's not necessarily the best group. Um, they have some issues I'm not terribly happy with. Um, it's not something I'm, I'm not getting, I'm actually getting more out of going by myself and playtesting on my own and finding my own smaller events to sort of practice from. Um, they're not terribly reliable. I hate to say it. Um, so I'm not getting as much uh, use out of them as I would like. Right, that that scuppers the next question, which is like, what what's it like preparing with a team? But um, <laughs> if you're doing it all by yourself, then I guess the team is you. So yeah, right. I've, I've got I've got a question. I've got a question. Sure. What is your what is your least favorite type of player to play against? <laughs> <laughs> Who winds you um, up the most? Oh God. Um. It's not even really a player. Like, I mean, I, I definitely tilt like no other. Like, I admit it. It's my worst habit. Um, I tend to not really tilt from people, but more from, from outside things. Like, I don't like spectators. Spectators really bother me. Um, if people are hanging around that don't need to, I need my space. So I may ask you to step back. Um, I tend to not like certain decks, like certain play styles aggravate me. Not necessarily people. Mm. Um, I actually, you know what? I can think of one thing. People who don't come prepared. For example, I was playing an, a, a Naya Agro deck the other day, Naya Blitz, and he didn't even have his own dice. So, like, he'd go, Champion of the Parish, I, um, I don't have a dice. And I'm just like, okay, here, here's mine. And he's beating me with his cards, with my dice on top of them. And I'm just like, you know, no, this is not sitting with me. And I had to say something kind of catty. I was like, you know, it's not like your deck's expensive enough where you couldn't afford the dice. And... He was just like, you don't understand, man. Frontline medics, five bucks a piece. 
And I'm like, dice are what, 50 cents a piece? Don't give me that, fucker, you know. So I started tilting. Um, I had that with Reanimator too. I was playing a Reanimator guy and he was doing his thing and, and, uh, so he would be like, you know, swing with Thrag Tusk and I would kill it and he'd be like, um, I'm, I'm just gonna use this penny. And I'm like, what? And then he would like lingering souls. So he like lingering souls and he flashed it back and he was like, I'm just going to use this four on my four sided dice to mean four spirits. Is that okay? And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> you know, take four cards from your sideboard and flip them over. And I don't know. We're not doing this. Like, and, and it's like, what happened? Both of them beat me. And I was so emo about it. And I was like, if you're beating me with my tokens and my dice, we have a problem here. It's like, I do not like this. And piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only time I play that I mean like the uh, the people who are just not concentrating and they're still beating you and you're like you know they're having conversations on the other side of the table or they're looking around and I'm guilty of it as well but it's like it's just so frustrating when it feels like they're just getting batted around and they're not even looking for they're slapping you and say ah yeah, it just kind of bothers me. Like, I mean, I might not be the best player yet, but I come prepared. I have, I know that I'm playing Thrag Tusk. I have Beast Tokens. I know that I'm playing Hunt Master of the Fells. I have Wolf Tokens. You know, I have Dice. I have Sixers and Twentiers. And I have little, little pink counters that when I ping you with Olivia, I can put a little counter on you and be like, you're a vampire. And I can pick you. And, you know, I don't think it's asking so much to come prepared. Maybe it's just me. But, you know, it's, it's weird that people are like, you want me to do what? Like, yeah, you know. It's just a strange thing, though. You can't go to those, uh, the tournaments and you think all your focus would want to be on your game, not trying to find something to represent a token or a counter or whatever it is. You know, that's what you're now thinking about instead of what your next play is going to be or whatever. You know, it seems a bit strange to go with that mindset. Yeah. Clearly you care a lot about the game and you're going to these bigger tournaments. Is there some, are you aiming for a particular goal? Like, are you wanting to like day two Grand Prix, top eight pro tours, or are you just playing for the satisfaction of playing the game and just seeing how you can do with your deck? Like, is so, there a goal? Those are things mind, I definitely, or? those are things I definitely wouldn't turn down. For me, it's like, it's baby steps. It's like, you know, ideally top 50% would be a dream right now. I mean, like I'm coming in at like, you know, riding the 50% line, maybe bottom, um, you know, so for me, it's, you know, I, I would be happy breaking even. Like, for example, we did the, the SCG open. I was just, that was 10 rounds. I would have been happy going five and five. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, when I reached the point of like two and four, I know it's not going my way and I'm not going to push it. And I know that I'm tilting. Um, so for me, it's little victories like that. Um, I know with me riding out Jund, a lot of Jund right now is piloting. It's my fault right now if the deck is not doing very well. I can't blame the deck anymore. Um, or I can't, you know, so it's variance or whatever. So for me, it's just being able to take something away little by little. Um, when I was playing SCG Milwaukee, I dropped it one and five. Right. This time I dropped it two and four. So um, I'm happy with small victories. What I like to, you know, top eight something. Yeah, very much so. But I'm also not trying to be the next Reed Duke. You know, that's not my goal. Um, <laughs> but I just want to get better. I don't really know what better is, but I just I want to do it. And yeah. Okay. I have a question. Do you? <laughs> I have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get a deck tease pin badge thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're free. They are totally free. I can send one to you. Um, they're a little flimsy. They tend to break sort of easily and not break permanently, but sometimes the back kind of pops off. Um, oh. so you just have to boop, back on. Um, and as long as you promise to wear it and when people ask you what it is, you tell them about me, it is totally free. Cool. Yeah. If hey. you send them, we will take pictures with them on us. Will you be wearing only the button, Craig? I cannot make that promise. <laughs> I will Have it be promise. like a censored symbol. Be like, deck keys, right there. 
I do try to keep this family friend. <laughs> <laughs> Trying being the optimal job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, I think we may be done for questions. I think we may be able to move on the, to our next The interrogation. <laughs> How did I do? Did I pass the test? Am I free to go? I, I think so. I think so. Let us move on to the pre-release, which is coming up for Dragon's Maze. In case people aren't aware, if they're not aware, I'm not quite sure what they've been doing all this time. They've been missing out on a pretty fantastic block so far. So it's working slightly differently than you may expect. Like normal sealed pools would be two of each of the boosters. But this time we're getting four Dragon Maze boosters, a guild booster from Return to Ravnica, and a guild booster from Gatecrash. What guild are you going to for the pre-release, Aaron? Uh, my first pick is Orzov, obviously. Um, there is a possibility that Orzov might be sold out. So in that case, uh, strangely enough, Rakdos would be my second choice. Um, and then my third choice would probably be Golgari. So maybe Simic. Maybe Simic. I have some Simic itchings, too. So I'm guessing you'd ideally like the secret guild to ally Orzov being Rakdos, then. You can just go with Rakdos. <laughs> that would make me very, very happy. I do like Borzov as a nice three-color combination. That does seem... What would you call that, though? Rorzov? Rak- Rakdov? I mean, I just call it Borzov, just the mixture of Boros and <laughs> Borzov. I mean, Borzdos? <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's kind of like in the tabloids when like celebrities get married and they have like Benifer and Case Two, you know, it's almost like the guilds are like celebrity couples. <laughs> There's only a few it works for though, isn't it? Hey, Simic and Rakdos being called Sakdos. <laughs> I just thought of that now, I don't know why. They can't ally up though, can they? Or at least not Who says? Not by the guild booster, sorry, I shall clarify my statement. <laughs> I do apologize. Steve, what are you going with? What are you hoping I for? have no idea because I'm not like pre-booked to place. I'll just be happy if I turn up and there is a pack for me. Because it's like, uh, I don't know what day I'm working. Right. Because you know? okay. that's the way it works here. Fortunately, I'll be there both days. And I, I've picked Is It, and I can't honestly remember what I did pick from my other guild. I want to say Orzhov in all honesty, but I'm not 100% sure about that. I would, if I have picked Orzhov, I think again, I would, like Rakdos would be the ideal pick. I just want to be, like, th- those three colours just feel really good together. And- mm-hmm. See, I'm not, I'm not so sure because, like I say, you're getting four packs of the Dragon's Maze and there's a lot of just good stuff for stopping aggressive decks. It's like maybe you're better leaning towards, like, an Orzhov deck. I mean, I know Orzhov can be pretty aggressive as well, but Orzhov or something with a big end game like Gruel or something that you could ramping into something huge or I don't know I just don't feel I feel like the the aggro's going to get knocked on the head a bit possibly I'm not so sure because at the same time it's like you know if the if the format is supposed to be slower they may not have the advantage of being slow you know it's kind of like when it's kind of like how red deck wins was a thing for a while you know people were really tired of these mid-rangey thread test decks decks Take two um, <laughs> that needed to sort of get set up, and in the in the time it took these decks to get set up, red deck wins in four turns could let out a massive amount of damage. So hmm. I wouldn't rule Agro out just yet. If Agro gets a good start, you're fucked. You know, you're not going to have seven turns to get Tasa out. You're just not. Um, yeah, this is you know, true. Or, or anything like that. You know, I think you've just got to be quite lucky in your packs, though, to get a, a deck out of it that will curve out in that space of time. You know. Yeah. I wouldn't rule it out though. Like I said, if, if, when Agro gets going, especially if you can, even, uh, even, even, I know Gruel, I think, could pull it off Simic if you get the Evolve going. Oh, yeah. Um, throw on a Madcap skills and have a gay old time. I mean, like, you know, yeah. a lot can happen. 
Oh, see, this is one thing with the bringing the three sets together. You're getting all the cards you hate to see again. You know, like, because mm-hmm. Madcap Skills is a lot of fun to play with, but it's not a lot of fun to play against because in Gate <laughs> there's not a lot you can do about it. Like, yeah. turn three, there really isn't. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh no, we're going to be getting, was it, Concl- was it Con- Blessing the Conclave or something? Was it the plus three, plus three, all your guys, enchantment? Uh, we'll be seeing that again, we'll be seeing Packrat again. It's like, ah, oh, do we really have to go through this again? <laughs> hopefully Packrat won't redominate the format. <laughs> I, guess. I don't know, they do have that one, uh, there is that one white card that all it does is populate. <laughs> Or stop pack rats, I'm telling you. Yeah. Go uh, Oh, that's one thing I'm really excited to play though. The, uh, do you remember when we used to play Return Ravnica Craig and we'd force, uh, Ors of Enchantment? Well, you don't need to force it anymore, it's just going to be there. And it's like, it's going to be awesome. I'm not so convinced Ors of Enchantment is a thing. Oh, come on! Look at it, you've got, like we're talking Gift of Orzova, you've got, uh, 1000 lashes, and then when you go into, in the Return of Ravnica, you've then got Ethereal Armor, Arrest, the Security Blockade, uh, there's loads, there's loads of good enchantments to make your Ethereal Armors huge, you've just got to get a hold of them, and it's gonna be cool. That's what I think. I think there's cheaper removal spells, I think you're, uh, eggs in a hole in one basket again, and... Oh, come on, Craig! Did I do it right? <laughs> <laughs> I was practicing a little bit at home. I was like, you know, geek is just coming out, you know, and just <laughs> fun. Do I, do I need Bonin's. to Scottish it up or? <laughs> <laughs> Silence once again. Um, uh, so, have you? Uh, do you know about like uh, the implicit maze and how it works and? What's going on with that? Are you familiar Bits and with pieces. The only thing I've made out about it so far that I've seen is that it was established by one of the Azores, like Azor the first or Azor the second, one of the old Azorius elders. And there's supposed to be something in the middle of it or some, to whoever wins, it's supposed to get some sort of power, um, or is supposed to, you know, unlock something. Um, and it was, it's been around for a long time. It's been under everybody's noses the whole time. Um, and I think Niv Mizzet discovered it or he's facilitating it or something. Um, and each guild was, was asked to come up with a representative to sort of go and they're all just going in and it's kind of survival of the fittest at that point. That, that's really all I know about it. You just know there's going to be like the beleaguered kind of Killed champion that survives the trials of the maze, kills all his foes, gets to the center, and there's like this Indiana Jones thing set up where he's got to balance the, the statue, get it off, you get the treasure, opens it up, and it's like achievement earned. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, I think it's not going to be, I think it's not going to be as cut and dry as that, though. Like, I can see there being, like, twists and turns and alliances and, um, you know, it's magic. I mean, you've got Lazav, who's a Demir shapeshifter. He could be anybody. So, um, I, there are lots of wrenches that I could see in the plan, and it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes down. I don't think it's as linear as people think it is. Mm. Um, I, I, I look forward to that. Have you, have you been reading the novellas which have been coming out? No, they're online only, and I mm. guess you need... I don't have a Kindle. I'm under the impression you can download a Kindle app. My boyfriend's a librarian, so I really have no excuse, but um, <laughs> I just haven't had any access to those yet. I've heard they're quite good. They're short, but um, no, I haven't I haven't read them. Yeah, they're novellas as opposed to full novels. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get it. Nuke and Kindle, yeah, I want to say, but I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. yeah, as you say, this Kindle app's getting work. Um, yeah. 
I can say that, that answer to me was right. I was actually meaning the implicit maze, which is in the pre-release as the sort of special helpful. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's I, I, you, you know a lot more than me, and it was actually interesting to hear about it. I'll be entirely <laughs> honest. No, I don't know much about it. I'm under the impression it's um. I believe all, I I remember hearing something about pins that you you can either win a pin or you get a pin and then you use the pin to like track your progress through the maze. I just remember pins, guild pins being a part of it. Yeah, instead of getting like our spin down counters or uh, badges or guild things, we're we're getting a guild pin. So you know, you okay. rock up and you say, "I'm Orzov." You get a little pin with the Orzov symbol on it, and you can now wear that wherever you like. But yeah, there's also basically a big poster which is sort of the root of the maze going through all the ten guild gates. And as people on a particular guild win games, then basically you move your little tracker along it. And then sort of first person to the end wins really uninteresting stuff, which is kind of disappointing. But Aye, This is what I was trying to get at. Because like you go there for it and you get to the centre of the maze and you get an achievement online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so, it. That's yeah, what you get. Yeah, because what you're physically getting is a card with a code on it and you type that into planeswalkerpoints.com and it goes, congratulations, you beat the maze. And and that's it. <laughs> and You said code. <laughs> You open a code. <laughs> I've never felt so self-conscious about my accent in my life before. I'm, I, I feel like I should just shut up and go home. Quick, quick, quick. She's not getting back. <laughs> Charming. Oh, dear. Yeah, I, I was expecting something big with a pre-release. Like, the last two have been really good just... Because I've had all that flavoursome stuff in it, and you just get your life spinner counter and a nice presentation box, and it feels like they—I don't know—they didn't know what they were doing with the third one. Like the the box is sort of just this plastic cover, which you're probably not really going to keep afterwards, and you get a pin, and yeah, like that's it. Mm-hmm. This this pre-release doesn't feel as exciting as the ones which have come previous, but mm. I think the excitement's going to come from different things. It's not necessarily going to come from like objects. True. I mean, I suppose it doesn't have any effect on the game if you're a Melvin like that, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was I was hoping for something big and grandiose to sort of finish off the trilogy, and it did kind of feel like it was building up to something, didn't it? Like you know the guild letters and all these sort of things. It'll be a bit sort of flavour enticing and and uh, get you involved in sort of different aspect of the game. So the, the getting in the story thing of, and like the I suppose the the maze thing is just there to keep people interested in the event. Even if they're not winning, I think yeah. that's the, the the whole reason for it. Is like so people can still enjoy the event, even if you lose your first match. You've still mm-hmm. got a reason to keep playing, and you oh look, I've got an effect on the map thing. Great. It just would be nicer if there was a greater incentive to be involved in it in that show. Okay. You know, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I think we're probably done with that topic, so I think we can wrap up the show now. Erin, how will people get in touch with you? Where do they find you? How does all oh that my! Work? Um, well, predominantly, predominantly on Twitter. Um, I uh, Twitter is at original asterisk o r i g i n a l o e s t r u s. Yes, it really is that musical. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty good about responding to most tweets. Um, I try not to ignore anybody, or I try not to leave anyone hanging. Um, you can also email me at asterisk o e s t r u s 
at elitistjerks.com. Um, Skype, my Skype's almost always on. My Skype name is the same as my Twitter name. You can say hi to me there. Um, my podcast is The Deck Tease. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio for free. You can download and subscribe and leave a review. Um, or you can also find me at legitmtg.com. Um, they take very good care of me there. And their store is awesome and the articles are good. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are all the ways you can get me. Are you writing any articles anymore? I, I was for a little while. I was doing some things at 60 Cards, but then they experienced some changes that were... We really didn't know what was going on anymore, so I stopped. Um, I did try to write an article for Gathering Magic, and they politely turned it down, um, which is okay. It's, I'm a little rusty. It's fine. Um, but honestly, no, the podcast is so consuming right now. I just I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> and I'm okay with that, because I was a blogger for a really long time. So that that's fine. Totally fine. Um, right, I think all that's left to say is, uh, the ways to get in touch with us, me and Steve, uh, delvingtodraft.tumblr.com, Facebook is delvingtodraft, email address delvingtodraft.gmail.com, and I'm on Twitter as Ravik underscore, Steve's on Twitter, yay, as Toe Horse. <laughs> yay! Um, your hosts for this week were me, Craig, you, Aaron, and you, Steve. That's me. <laughs> the intro and outro music by Kevin Oh Clark. man, I wanted to be Steve. <laughs> you can say, and that's me if you want. And that's me! Did I do it? No? Is that a little Shrek? No? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is a cannery and it is Roger Free Music licensed as the Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0. Mm-hmm.